to communicate is just by using your hands. And I, I wish we were, I almost thought about like asking you if we could do video over this because I knew that I feel like you would get really passionate about it and we would just go on and on. It'd be like a crazy conversation, but I thought, you know, let's give her a break. I, it's seven o'clock here. I'm like barely even wearing pants. So like, let's, let's maybe not do video today. <laughs> Although it would get hits if you're barely wearing anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Maybe I'd get a couple. Maybe I'll put it on YouTube instead of the podcast. Exactly. Um, but thank you so much for being here. So, um, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't want to take up like hours and hours of your time, I promise. So I kind of have it organized in a way that I did my last interview, but um, so I'll just give you kind of a recap and then we can get everything going and then it'll kind of just free flow from there. Um, mm -hmm. But so basically I'll just give an introduction of you and then I'd love for you to, you know, tell a little bit about yourself, familiarize the listeners with your background and more about you. And then I gathered a bunch of questions from people and kind of put them into different sections so it would flow together and just some like hot questions that people are really interested in that I've I've seen countless times all over your social media and all over your website. So it, they're going to be questions that I know you're going to answer easily and so that people can understand it. Um, sure. So... Um, yeah, and then I'm sure it'll get off track, and then we'll start talking about stuff that we're more interested in, and that's kind of just how it. I I love it like that when people when we can yeah. kind of you know just free flowing. So love it. You know, you what? You are so organized. I love it. Oh, girl, I've no joke. You were the. You were the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to start doing podcasts. I was like, I have to tell more people about this. I need someone to back me up on what I'm saying. I'm not a doctor, but you are. So, like, the credibility's there. Um, I love it. Um, so, okay, we can go ahead and get going. Don't laugh. I'm going to do the intro. Um, but, okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Eliza G Fitness Hotter Than Health podcast, a podcast focusing on fitness, nutrition, overall wellness, and most importantly, your morning conference call. And for those of you who don't know what that is, you will soon. My name is Eliza Gelman. I'm a personal trainer, nutrition aficionado, podcaster, influencer, and honestly, just someone who's way too comfortable asking the uncomfortable questions, which leads me to a very exciting introduction. I feel like you can hear my smile through the microphone, but today we have Dr. Angie Sadeghi on the phone or on the line with us. Angie is a board certified gastroenterologist and an internist. She's also a plant-based weightlifting badass as well as a mom, and we are so, so lucky and excited to have her on today. How are you Angie? <laughs> I am doing excellent. I really enjoyed that introduction. My favorite was weightlifting badass. Yeah. <laughs> you are. You totally are. And so with that being said, tell people a little bit about yourself and how they might be able to find you because I feel like a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, they're going to automatically like go to social media, try and find you. And so go ahead, pimp yourself out before we even get started. That sounds good. Besides being a weightlifting badass, I'm very active on social media. Uh, my Instagram handle is angie.sadeghi, A-N-G-I-E dot S-A-D-E-G-H-I. Um, I'm double board certified in gastroenterology and internal medicine. Gastroenterology is basically the study of the digestive tract. 
and I'm very passionate about plant-based nutrition and uh, vegan fitness. Um, so I try to be very active on social media. Between being a mom and a doctor, it doesn't leave me a lot of time to spend on social media, but I try to do stories every day and make posts to help educate the public because God knows they're being pulled everywhere with all kinds of advertisements. Hey, buy my supp supplement. It's better than the other supplement. And everyone's just like putting out all these expensive supplements. People don't know what to do, what to eat to get a healthier, have achieve a healthier body, achieve uh, better health for their GI tract. So they just, they need some, um, they need leaders in the industry who understand fitness, nutrition, and um, hormone optimization and everything that pertains to health. And they need leaders who have non-biased information. And so here I am, and that's why I'm very passionate about helping others. I love it so much. And honestly, I think the most important thing about this conversation is what you just said about being unbiased. And there are so like, you don't have, and maybe I don't know if this is in the works for later, but you're not trying to push any specific supplement. You're just trying to push facts and evidence-based information about the benefits of, you know, living a whole foods, plant-based lifestyle. But in a non-judgmental way, it's just like, these are the facts. You can take it or leave it. But you really are, I mean, you guys have to go follow her. Her Instagram is always chock full of like recipes and things and workouts and things like that. Um, so you are a gastroenterologist and an, an internist. So tell people more about what that is specifically. I know you said, you know, um, you're a, basically the gut specialist. So what's a day in the life for you? And how did you like get into that industry specifically? Because it's not the sexiest industry at all, but it's so important. And I say it all the time. It's just amazing. So tell us more about that. So funny. Yeah, you're right. So I, I, I love the digestive tract. I love nutrition. And the digestive tract is very important because everything you eat uh, affects your GI tract. And the GI tract is full of these organisms called the microbiome that live with you. So we used to think that the um, the GI tract is one tube, mouth to anus, just a tortuous tube that goes up to bottom and you eat food and the food travels through the GI tract and it comes out as stool. But what we didn't know, which came evident in the last 10 years or 20 years, is that there are these organisms living in there in a symbiotic relationship called the uh, gut microbiome. And these organisms are so important in the di process of digestion and absorption of nutrients and uh, the immune immune system and how strong your immune system is. They are so important in developing inflammation if you eat the wrong stuff and how anti-inflammatory they can be if you're eating a healthy diet. So my passion for fitness and nutrition was combined with, uh, you know, the study of the uh, digestive system. And basically, I have been able to help a lot of my patients with things like common things that happen all the time, gas, bloating, irritable bowel syndrome, SIBO, which is basically small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, colon polyps, colon cancer, diverticulosis, diverticulitis, gastroesophageal reflux disease, blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> it's even, yeah, there's so oh, much. <laughs> but now the funny thing is, though, besides these GI problems, everything you eat because of the gut microbiome affects your your brain, your heart, your joints, your muscle. I mean, everything, right? So it's so important that everybody understands what happens and what you eat, how 
everything you eat affects the gut microbiome, therefore the overall health. But the way I got into the GI, uh, the funny thing is my, my family agrees with you. It's not the sexiest thing. My brother calls me the butts and guts doctor. Oh, I love it. But honestly, I, I like people think it's weird how much I talk about poo and regularity, but I can't yeah. tell you like the sexiest people probably have the most conference calls. That's what I call poo. So yeah. like the... I think the sexiest people with like the best bods and the best skin and hair, they probably yeah. have the most disgusting, you know, <laughs> regularity ever, but in the best yeah. way. Right. Well, yeah. Like, am I crazy? Well, I mean, you have to define that. Uh, tell me a little bit more detail about what you mean. So I think that if you have, if you are super regular, as in mm-hmm. going to the bathroom, you know, once a day at least, because there mm-hmm. are some people in the world and I, who I've been friends with who mm-hmm. go maybe twice a week, three times a week. And that's regular for them, but yeah. that's just, I, I don't think that that's normal. I think that it needs to be every day and I'm not a doctor, but I want, you know, obviously I want you to agree with me, but I just feel like everyone has the potential to clear yeah. out so many toxins in their body by getting regular. And really one mm-hmm. of the only ways that we can do that is to get regular because it really is just a concentration of like toxins and actual waste. I I compare it to like, you wouldn't carry around a dirty old bag of garbage. You're going to put it in a dumpster. You know, you're going to take it out of your house. You don't want it just sitting in your house. So your analogy. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, um, to get regular is the most important thing that you could do. And how do you get regular? Mm -hmm. And the answer is by eating tons of fiber. Mm -hmm. So, Everybody talks about protein, protein, protein. There's mm-hmm. we have a nation full of obsessed people who talk about protein, you know, and nobody wants to talk about fiber. Well, to get regular and to have a non-toxic GI tract where you eliminate toxins is by eating tons of fiber. And so this is fact. Most Americans get two to three times of uh, the amount of protein they really need to get, and they get like less than half of the amount of fiber they need to get in their Uh, diet because there's no fiber in meat right there is no fiber (laughs) in meat dairy or eggs so fiber in general comes from plant foods that grow from the ground so Mm -hmm. fruits vegetables nuts seeds grains and legumes are full of fiber Meat, dairy, and eggs have zero fiber. So with this whole, and you're, you know, are you, 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 you know how it is. You're stunning. You, you have a six pack and tight <laughs> muscles, and you know, you don't. I'm, I'm hoping you don't go and eat like 200 grams of protein per day. Some of no, these, no, but it's, it's one macronutrient. So I, that's why I always say I'm like, if you're overeating any macronutrient, it's going to be stored as fat. You're going to get, you know, like it's not, but it's not even just about the fat. It's protein is really tough to digest no matter where it's coming from or Mm -hmm. process and hold Mm -hmm. on to in your body. So that's why balance is everything. But keep going, keep going. (laughs) Absolutely. Look, I feel like people like try to manipulate their macronutrients where they go, you know, zero carb or like very little carb. Well, your body is not designed to have these unnatural macronutrient levels. So that's where people get sick. That's where people um, basically ruin their gut health because they eat no carbs, which means what? No fiber, right? Because you know, fiber uh, comes from plants and carbohydrates. But what people do in their mind is they associate carbs to sugar. Mm-hmm. So 
he's saying go avoid uh you know lettuce and kale and cabbage and and potatoes people when they say avoid carbs they mean sugar refined sugar table sugar so mm-hmm. but unfortunately because people have limited knowledge about nutrition uh when when you know trainers or nutritionists or dietitians say hey avoid carbs they mean sugars but people think that it's they're, they're talking about plant foods yeah so happens is they eat very little carbohydrates which are fiber rich and that's when the GI tract starts um, be- becoming less and less healthy the good gut, gut microbiome diminishes and then uh, the the protective layer of the GI tract sloughs off or gets uh, broken down and then they get immune to a lot of they get like uh, a lot of bacterial infections viruses and um, inflammation in their body mm-hmm. and isn't it true so you just named a bunch of different basically side effects of being constipated or not regular. And I, there's probably a difference between being constipated and not being regular, but I feel like constipation maybe causes more irritation, but the, I also feel like there are so many, and there's so many, so much research being done about serotonin levels being created in your gut, something like 80 to 90% of your serotonin levels in your body being created in your gut. So, you know, the more you keep those toxins inside of your gut, I feel like the toxins, Mm -hmm. it it will make your life toxic based on your, your perspective changing your, you get depressed almost because you're not, you know, I actually people I, I tell people I'm like if you're depressed instead of starting antidepressants go on a whole food plant based diet and basically uh, improve your gut and let your uh, gut produce all the serotonin that you need instead of getting on pills I am very holistic in my approach and I hate pharmaceuticals and which is funny coming from an MD right yeah yeah I was gonna say you yeah. never hear that Exactly. And then you get like uh, people who are selling a lot of supplements, nutraceuticals. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's best to let food be the medicine. Right. Mm -hmm. And not use pharmaceuticals or nutraceuticals unless absolutely necessary, you know. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, constipation, which is defined by the um, infrequent bowel habits, meaning people who go two, three days without being able to have a, 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 a bowel movement, oh. feeling complete evacuation where they go and strain and strain and nothing comes out, um, hard pebbly stools that look like rabbit pellets, and basically feeling a bloating and gas and the inability to evacuate the stool. So all of those uh, are basically uh, con- that's constipation for you and mm-hmm. b- fortunately when these um, th- when people are constipated for long periods of time they are exposed to acids and uh, quote-unquote toxins which uh, are linked to colon cancer so like you said it's really important that people become quote-unquote regular and for m- different people could mean different things for example people who don't eat a lot of calories like let's just say um they eat 1200 calories a day mm-hmm. they may not have as much stool production as somebody who eats four to five thousand calories per day True. so it's common that some people can go like i don't know every other day but when the stool comes out here we we're talking about poop how sexy right we're um, hot, whatever we're <laughs> We love it. Out, yeah. If it looks like a sausage and nice and smooth, then that's normal, right? But if the poop comes out really uh, hard or diarrhea-like, watery or soft, then that's not normal, right? Okay, so, so like deer pellets yeah. and then liquidy, not good. But it wants not to be good. like, I want to have a whole podcast, Angie, called Soft Bananas. Shouldn't it be soft? <laughs> 
right? Shouldn't it be called soft bananas? I love it. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. I would I'd, I'd want to be on that podcast. Okay. Yes. For Angie Sadegi podcast number two, soft bananas. Perfect. <laughs> but um, but go ahead, yeah. Sorry. But that's good. Like if you think about a banana, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, if the stool looks like like a formed, uh, basically like not liquidy or not hard. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, any any time your gut microbiome gets screwed up for lack of a better term or messed up in English in, in medical terms we call it dysbiosis but anyway if they if it becomes screwed up you will have either or extremes right either you'll have totally bad constipation or you'll have diarrhea or alternating I mean some people go for days without a bowel and then they have diarrhea and then they yeah. have so bad I feel like it's kind of like okay so in Charleston we just had a huge hurricane um evacuation and it's like nobody left nobody left nobody left and then the day of everyone just went nuts and then like everyone packed their stuff and left on one in one day and then Mm -hmm. all of the highways were blocked nobody could get anywhere traffic was insane so I feel like it's one of those things where you have to have it like traffic has to be flowing steadily and if you all if you try and just get everything out at one time it's just going to be a mess and like I, I, you know, that's such a good analogy. I love your analogies. That reminds me of something else. Like these people who go and do colonics, right? Yes. Because tell me about that. Talk about colonics. Bad. Well, it's like horrible for you. I mean, I know <gasps> it's been a tradition that has lived with us for thousands of years, but it doesn't make it right. Do you ever remember? Do you remember those commercials about douching a mom and a daughter sitting in a boat, and they and and they go, "Honey, mom, do you douche?" She says, "Of course." <laughs> I do. Do you remember those? You may be. No. You may been, but I've it, never it, seen that commercial. Of course, I would remember that if I heard it. So stupid. It was like silly as hell. But people used to like clean out their vaginal tract regularly with these flushes, which killed the microbiome in the uh-huh. vaginal tract, uh-huh. and it would cause problems. It's the same thing with colons. You don't want to push things up there if you don't have to. Um, things need to come up. The stool needs to travel down from the ascending colon to the transverse colon to the descending and call into the rectum and out. So when you screw up that balance, it's not without consequence. Furthermore, when you push liquids up into the rectum and into the colon, it kills the gut microbiome. So it's not safe and it's not good. We should eat healthy so we don't have to get constipated and let it back up like the traffic and then try to purge. That doesn't work very well. Oh my, okay. So I'm not kidding you. I have been almost... I've almost done a colonic probably 10 times. I haven't ever done it because I've just, I I haven't gotten around to it, but I genuinely like the way I think of it is like, okay, I'm super regular. I talk about it constantly, but I, I'm like, okay, there's got to still be some stuff in there still. So why not do a colonic and really flush it out? So you're saying that even what if, what if there's still some like residual stuff in there and you wanted to get it out? Do you rec- so no enemas, no colonics, no well, nothing? Residual, residual, you will never be able to get rid of all the stuff from the colon, right? Okay. Um, meaning that you will always have poop in the colon because that's where it belongs. Okay. 
<laughs> it's like something, <laughs> you know, I don't want cars on the road. Well, the road was built for cars to drive on. So the, the colon is a reservoir for poop. And basically, it's supposed to go in a peristaltic fa- fashion. In English, the colon squeezes and slowly uh, moves uh, the waste products or the stool through the colon. So, um, but not everything is going to come out at the same time. There's yeah. Like there is like peristaltic activity after you eat um, or whatever. And then and then, you know, when you're in the parasympathetic and nervous system mode, the stool moves through. That's the first batch. And then it comes out and then you go and work and do this man. And and then the second peristaltic moves comes and moves the stuff through some more. But then you have a sphincter, right? That like keeps it in there. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah, so there is like a the, the the anal sphincter is actually to hold things in, so you don't like poop your pants every time, right? So okay. um, you know, whenever whenever the poop comes, you get a sensation that you have to go because it's stimulating the yeah, little yeah. nerves in there, and then you go and relax and get it out. And but that doesn't mean that all the poop is going to come out. There's still going to be some poop up into the colon in the beginning parts of the colon. It's a long road. Well, so not not all of it dumps out at the same time. Some <laughs> of it will be there, and then that would be the next wave but okay. it, you know we should never be obsessed about cleaning the colon a hundred percent poop belongs in the colon the, w- when you say uh, constipation is bad though I agree with that when you have const- constipation that means the stool has been sitting there for days yeah that's well that's a different story however if you have normal stools and you're going regularly then it shouldn't be a problem okay I feel like everything you just said was like a, a- an emotional Xanax for me. And no, <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? I'm, I've just, I kind of have been obsessed over this. I'm like, everyone needs a clear colon, but now I, that does kind of calm me down a little bit. So note, note to self, not getting a, not getting a colonic. Okay. I have some friends who are going to be super happy. Um, okay. So we, I could go on with about this topic with you for ever, but I w- we gotta <laughs> let me get into some specifics about like lifestyle and how to actually implement some health tips and things sure. into your lifestyle. So for listeners that don't know, okay, Angie, like I said, is um, super into fitness, weightlifting. I feel like not even a ton of cardio. Am I wrong? Oh my god, I hate cardio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this girl has a six pack, and she literally has biceps made from the gods and she's chiseled and has the most amazing skin so she's doing something right and I also okay with the fitness and everything like that the main thing that I hear all the time from my friends from my co-workers not so much from my co-workers anymore because I've kind of proven it wrong but if you are a plant-based whole foods plant-based lifestyle meaning no meat no dairy and no animal products at all then you're going to lose your gains. And I know you hear this all the time and it's the most frustrating thing ever, but at the same time, it's a good opportunity to kind of educate people. So two questions on this, and these are like huge questions that my followers have asked multiple times. So mm-hmm. one, how do you keep a um, toned, hard figure without, one, doing any cardio really, and then two, eating no plant-based product and then touch on soy. Like we can get into soy just for a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So the, the studies show that you need a point a six uh, uh, grams per kilogram of uh, lean body mass 
uh, per day of protein, right? So if you took my weight um, and uh, basically in pounds divided by 2.2 times 0.6, I need only 30 grams of protein, okay, to maintain a healthy muscular musculature, right? Okay. That's not, 30 grams of protein is not a lot. Now, That's nothing. Yeah, exactly. So you can get that in, 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 I actually have a hard time keeping it at that because for a while I was like, I want to prove to the world that you don't need that much protein. So I'm just going to yeah. keep it. Oh my God, I can't, you like, there's no way if you're eating like a couple of thousand calories per day, there's no way you would uh, keep it as low as 30 grams per yeah. day. I mean, just like one cup of lentils has something like 15 grams of protein. So. Oh right like, so people like most of our protein like it's there's no tomorrow and it's like calm down you're gonna get enough protein I get people who weigh 300 pounds no joke they come to my clinic and I'm talking to them about diet and they're like where do I get my protein I'm like really like why uh, do you care protein right now let's talk about let's talk about changing your lifestyle into eating a healthy a healthy well-balanced nutrition can you please not stop just stop thinking about protein now, I understand for a small sector of people like bodybuilders and Olympians, they're training eight hours a yeah. day. I can understand they would eat like one to 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight, i.e., I don't know, like 120 grams of protein per day. But yeah. for someone like me, I work out 25 minutes a day. I weight lift, I power lift, and I really don't need that much protein, you no. know? So anyway, it's and you're just not like, like you're not skinny. You're you're lean no. and like hard, and you're five yeah. one. And honestly, it's tougher. I feel like it's tougher for women to keep a more lean, hard physique. Sure, because and we're you, estrogen dominant. You yes. Know? So you know, I'm estrogen dominant. I'm supposed to like have babies every year. You know, I'm curvy, yeah, and you, I'm supposed to have like a small waist, big hips, big thighs. That's my genetic makeup. Mm-hmm. So to be athletic looking, I have had to, you know, put in some time. But you know what I did that helped me is I went on a whole food plant based diet, which means no animal products, mm-hmm. and all of my my food came from fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, grains, and basically legumes. Mm-hmm. And within like nine months, my body got shredded. Like literally, I lost all this fat and. Um, I realized that all the cheese and processed food I was eating was just killing me. Yeah. So what made you want to transition? Because I know you weren't always plant-based and I know you weren't always into lifting. So what made you make the transition into your lifestyle? Was it being a doctor? Was it like a person? Was it a story? What made you really take that? Because you took a hard switch. It's not like you just integrated it slowly. Like you were, you like went balls to the wall. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I was uh, I was I was in uh, after fellowship and studying all these years. I was just I looked like a doctor, you know, a little poofy looking, chubby looking. And even though I worked out my whole life, like I was a swimmer in high school competitively. I was I was a figure skater um, in in college. I've done um, weightlifting. My first gym membership was when I was 15 years old. I've always worked out right harder Mm -hmm. than I work out now. But one thing I neglected, you know, the uh, 80-20 rule, 80% nutrition, 20% uh, fitness. Yeah. Um, 
I neglected that. I thought you can eat whatever you want. And as long as you're lifting and doing some cardio, you're fine. So like we had the gym for two hours a day. And I wasn't, I was like, I still didn't look good. And I was sick, to be honest with you. I wasn't feeling great. So what happened was um, I basically did a hard switch because somehow, you know, it's funny because I call this good karma, pure good karma. It was not intentional. I didn't go, oh, I'm looking for a diet to look sexier. That's not my intention. I learned about the dairy industry and how cruel the dairy industry is and how the meat industry is so cruel. And I love animals. And I figured, you know, I just don't want to eat animals anymore. And I don't want to uh, contribute to cruelty and ruining the environment. So I went full uh, full vegan overnight. Okay. And- Wait, so like when you were eating dairy and eating a normal American diet, which includes animal products, was your were you regular? Do you even remember going back that far? Like, were you okay? This is the first time I've ever admitted to this, but <laughs> no, I I have hemorrhoids from that time because I was so constipated. Oh, okay, yeah, that now is I'm hell on earth. Constipated. This is terrible. Um, oh, uh, no, oh my god, no, that's but that's so commonplace. I feel like you saying that just liberated mm, at least fifty people off off the bat you know yeah so you know I was so constipated I was like using over-the-counter constipation medicines magnesium citrate I was like you know just they just had basically bad constipation and what I wasn't realizing is all that dairy I was like eating was like killing me you know and mm-hmm. it had such a bad eczema I was like head to toe I had an like when you said at the beginning she has good skin I was like oh my god this is so beautiful to oh hear. my god you do thank you but I'm telling you like four and a half years ago you would have looked at me and been like poor girl she has terrible skin and what are these white patches all over her and why is she itchy all the time so yeah so it's like completely gone your eczema is completely gone my eczema is completely gone I haven't used any steroid creams on my skin or taken Benadryl which is an anti-itch medicine Mm -hmm. for like Four and a half years but you know karma a good karma came to me because I did this for the love of animals and suddenly I realized oh my gosh I'm healthier my waistline started shrinking my eczema went away uh, my confidence went up my um, constipation went away I mean if everything all these good things kept happening to me and then I and I was like wow so I I really dug in and I watched documentaries like forks over knives and yeah. books and I realized wow you know what this is bigger than me and I, I, I just realized somehow I just found a gold mine and I realized that I can help my patients um, even though for me initially it was moral reasons I stumbled upon the health uh, factors that came to me and I thought oh wait a minute I can I can help my patients now yeah. I can really help them improve their health without like using medicines so that's how I got into it. That's like what we were talking about before we started recording. We were saying we're just, we are byproducts. People are like, oh, wow, you, it's genetics or, you know, you're just, it's karma, you know, that kind of thing. But no, it's, I feel like we are a byproduct of the lifestyle that we preach about. And that is why it's, that's why people listen is because it's proof in the pudding. So, but with what you just said, you were like, oh, you realize that you could help your patients. So what, I know that you were talking about constipation and things like that, but I was reading on your website and of course I read, listen to your stories every single moment of the day. So you talk a lot about um, acid reflux and you also talk a lot about kind of just lack of energy and lethargy. And I Mm -hmm. feel like after I got into a plant-based lifestyle more so, that's when I tapped into this 
unparalleled amount of energy. And a lot of people who go plant-based, they get, or who hear about you being plant-based and vegan, they're like, oh, I was just so tired when I did it. And granted, that could be, you know, they did it wrong or they didn't have right. the right nutrients and they were just eating like pasta, you know. So mm -hmm. there are different ways to do it. But when you're talking to your patients and they come to you with acid reflux or common honestly pretty common issues mm -hmm. how do you how do you get people how do you start the conversation of saying okay i know that you have had a standard american diet of meat dairy seafood gluten all that kind of stuff how do mm -hmm. you get them to even try to at least pick up on a couple of different habits that would transition them into plant-based because I feel like that's a really, really difficult conversation to have sometimes. Totally. Sometimes people like, you know, they come in for a quick fix. And what one thing you, you keep mentioning, which I love, 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 is lifestyle. It has to be whatever you want to be. If you want to be successful and look good, like have that shredded those shredded abs or have an athletic body you have to implement a lifestyle around that if you want to be healthy from within and have a healthy gut microbiome your lifestyle has to be who has to change um like the other day i went to uh i was at the gym and this girl no joke this was a serious thing she came up to me she's like you know i'm here because i have a wedding coming up in a month and i have to lose weight i hate being here and she goes she looks at me she's like what are you doing here you already look good i'm uh. like i looked at First, I was like, are you serious? They're like, you're so done. Like, and she was straight face. Yeah, she's like, you're done. Go home already. <laughs> I mean, I was like, um, no, no, she's serious. I was like, well, you know, I have implemented a lifestyle around eating healthy and daily fitness. And that's why I look like this. Um, she looked at me like it was such a foreign concept. But anyway, so yeah, so when my patients come in and they're looking for a quick fix, and I'm like, uh, it doesn't work that way. You know, when when you put when you change your lifestyle and you eat healthy on a daily basis, and you work on your health, and that that's when you slowly achieve that that look and that feel and that uh, those yeah. health factors that are incorporated. So when they come to me for a quick fix, uh, they leave disappointed. Or some of them are not disappointed. They take me up on the challenge of basically I say, look, I have leverage on them, right? I go, look, look, this is your cholesterol level. You're probably going to have a heart attack in a year. This is your thyroid levels. This is your hormone levels. This is not good. If we don't change something, you're not going to be happy. And if you have IBS, if you continue eating the way you're eating, you're going to continue having IBS or constipation. So when you have leverage as a doctor, that helps. So I, I sit down and I talk to them about lifestyle modifications. And, you know, some people get turned off and they never come back. I'm okay with that because I don't want to shove medicines down people's throats. Yeah, That's not that's not a healthy fix. Um, I try to teach it. And so the other 50% who are amenable to changes, they stick around and guess what? They get major benefits. You know, they, they see that their body is getting healthier. They have more energy, their waistline shrinks and, um, their Crohn's disease goes away. Their ulcerative colitis goes away. Um, you know, I mean, it's so rewarding, right? But you know, people have to understand lifestyle modifications rather than quick, dirty changes in your life which are temporary. Yeah. Well, with that, I know that a lot of people who are going plant-based, they still want to have that kind of full feeling. So they're like looking for protein substitutes, which leads me to one of the most popular questions. Okay. I know you eat tofu, you eat tempeh. 
And I know that yes. that's something that you've spoken about a number of times. And I yes. I probably add that into my rotation once a week. I mean, I, I kind of like the texture because it's so versatile. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot with it. But right. what? Okay, soy. Point blank. Good, bad. Yeah. What's going on with soy? Oh, my gosh. There's so much controversy around this poll. I know. Right. It's interesting. I'm glad you brought it up because the, there's still such a um, low level of awareness about soy. So soy comes from the soybean uh, bean or the edamame. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, edamame is the one that, you know, you take out of the shell and you eat. Uh, I know. Soy, so good. Yum. Yeah, it's so good. So soy is um, uh, full of essential amino acids that your body needs to which is the building blocks of protein. And it's uh, it has something called phytoestrogens, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not the same thing as mammalian estrogens. So uh, the meat and dairy industry built a um, basically a nonprofit organization a few years ago to demonize soy. And so what they did is they're like, how can we trick people and get them to stop eating soy? Because soy was gaining popularity because it's good for the environment rather than eating meat and dairy and all that stuff. And so th- what happened was they came and they, they're like, oh, you know what? It has phytoestrogens. Doesn't that sound like estrogen? Oh, yeah, we can get them. And they went and said, oh, it causes breast cancer. It has estrogen. Well, that's not true. It doesn't have estrogen. It's phytoestrogen, which is completely different than estrogen, mammalian estrogen, which you get, by the way, when you eat meat and dairy. Wait, what so, is phytoestrogen then? Phytoestrogen is a plant, basically plant phytonutrient, which is actually an antioxidant which is good for you. Uh, okay. Yeah. So phytoestrogen is like a chemical. Like basically we have our, you know, it's a micronutrient. So we have macronutrients such as um, fats, carbs, um, protein, and water. Those are the four macronutrients. And then you have phytonutrients, which are antioxidants, um, vitamins, minerals, and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. phytonutrients mm-hmm. are like literally like almost like antioxidants right and so they demonized it by saying it's an estrogen which is not a hormone it's not an it's not a mammalian estrogen anyhow so people stopped eating that stuff and and so what happened was that there were some studies conducted to prove uh, that estrogen or, or phytoestrogens are not bad for you by uh, giving a group of breast cancer patients survivors or people who had current breast cancer one group had uh, soy products and the other group didn't get soy products and th- actually guess who did better in the studies soy the people- group the group did better right so anyhow so for for lack of knowledge due to lack of knowledge many oncologists and uh, doctors and a lot of uh, lay people they think that it's bad for you but the studies show otherwise this study shows that it's actually good for you um, then people talk about like oh you can get man boobs or gynecomastia it's not true then there <laughs> there is there's basically rumors within rumors I mean you can go on there's some yeah. rumors that lowers your testosterone I'm like really? I know some people are like I'm gonna lose my balls and grow boobs I'm like what <laughs> what what that's I totally, I mean, I hear it all the time from people saying, I mean, I know some people have soy allergies and that's one thing, but when, when people are scared of tempeh and stuff like that, but then they actually, no joke, I I have had this conversation with people and then we would be out at a sushi restaurant and they would be eating edamame. I'm like, you know, it's the same thing, right? You know, it's the same thing. That's the thing. It's the low level of knowledge in regards to nutrition. That's the thing. It's like, people are like, oh, edamame is the same thing. And they're like, you're like, yeah. And they're like, which, oh, 
Uh, it's so funny. And I just wanted you to kind of debunk that because I knew kind of what you would say because I've been following you for so long. But I know that it's one of those things that um, it, it's it's one of those things like with meat, people don't believe that it might be bad for you. And it's just this they have to shift their entire mindset because there's yeah. been this whole culture built around tofu being just for vegans and mm. meat being just for men and there's this like part of their cultural identity that they can't do it or else they'll not look masculine but in exactly. reality and I know you know some of these people some of the hottest dudes with like the greatest most shredded bodies ever so strong best performers quickest recovery time athletes are plant-based and that's, I mean and that's because of the phytonutrients in, in plant foods mm-hmm. that clears out the lactic acid faster. So the recovery time Ooh. is so much faster. That's how I can train every single day and not be sore. So tell me about your training because I genuinely believe that I can work out more now and harder now because my recovery time is faster. I used to think that before I went plant-based, I used to, or when I went plant-based, I thought, okay, I, sorry, my dog just jumped on the bed. So pardon if it's loud, but <laughs> no my I, when I started going plant-based, I thought that I wasn't working out as hard and I thought that I was like losing my strength, losing my gains, but really what it was, I just wasn't really getting as sore, Yeah, you know? And I was like, okay, am I not performing as much? But I was, and it was just my recovery time. People think they have to get sore. In fact, that's not good. I try, I don't like getting sore because that means I'm so inflamed. I have so much inflammation in my body that that's over, like running a marathon, that creates a lot of inflammation. I I actually um, like the minimal effective dose of exercise, which means don't overdo it to avoid uh, uh, having too much inflammation. Do it just right where you can get the gains. I mean, what's our purpose if at at the end of the day, my purpose is gain more muscle, burn more fat, right? Right. do that is by basically eating healthy so you can have faster recovery so you can work out every day and basically like uh, keep the inflammation down so you can build muscle rather than lose muscle which would happen in the case of too much inflammation I actually wanted to ask you about was like what is your workout routine like so on any given day like what's your 25 minute workout yeah, so I go basically, um, when I go to the gym, if I have a really important event coming up, like I have to get a, I have to have a photo shoot by such and such date, I get really organized and I do um, separate my muscle groups. I'm, I'm a big believer. I like like the bodybuilding approach where mind uh, muscle connection and you, you think about every fiber as you lift. And so I separate the shoulders and I work on shoulders and abs on day one. And then I do chest um, and abs. Uh, uh, biceps day two then I do triceps and back day three and then I do legs and so I just kind of rotate that um, but you know honestly if I don't have a hard goal in mind and I, I just try to enjoy my day and I just go to the gym and I like literally like look at the machine and and see what's calling me sometimes I go in to do shoulders for example mainly I do a little shoulder and I'm passing by the um, I don't know the chest machine and I get jealous somebody else is on I'm like oh, <laughs> And I just let the machines call me or the weights call me. And then I just, you know, I do chest one day and I'm like, oh, the lift, weight, rack, weight lifting rack or the, the, the deadlift rack is like calling me. And I just go. So I don't like try to make it like strict and mathematical. I mean, the gym is my playground. I'm not going to make it, it like 
boring for myself. I have so much fun over there. And I always make sure that I go to a gym that I love. I always make sure that I put on my best workout clothes because I want to look at the in the mirror and be proud of myself and always carry a positive attitude associated with working out instead of, oh, shoot, I have to be here. It's like, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I just want to like look at all these good looking weightlifters around me, men and women, everyone looks good. And it's so motivating to watch them. And then I sometimes I learn little tricks from other people. Yeah, and I just yeah. implement it. It's just change it around, change it up, have fun, you know, what would you say to someone because I talk about this on other episodes, but what would you say to someone who is intimidated to go to the gym maybe they're not at their peak body they're not where they want to be or they used to be really in shape but then they gained let's say like 35 pounds and now they're just in that depressing state where they can't get that confidence up but then you're expecting them to go into a weight room um what are some of your go-to tips i talk about this on other like i said on other podcasts but not everyone just needs to incline walk that's not Mm -hmm. always the solution sometimes it's good but um you know if someone's wanting to get into weightlifting how would you give them like a little tweak of confidence if they're not where they want to be right now well I think one of the biggest demons in life is when we sit there and worry about what other people think of us um you will never ever be happy if you worry about what other people think so most of the times people feel intimidated because they feel like other people are judging them I honestly think that people are happy and, uh, you know, to see somebody come in who doesn't know how, what they're doing and, um, you know, they other people are actually quite helpful. Like, I love it when someone who doesn't know how to lift walks up to me and say, hey, do you mind just showing me how to do this exercise? You know, yes. I'm sure you would that too it's like so like so nice like I'm like oh, of course I'm more than happy to show you you know like I'm and flattered thank totally. you if I look good enough that you're gonna come and ask me <laughs> yeah and there especially is- yeah and I don't mean to make this sexist but especially girls but you know yes. I mean there are so many women in the gym who would love more I bet you anything there are women who if they saw one or two women in the weight training room they would be more apt to go in there because if they only see guys or if it's just empty and they feel like they're gonna like mess things up I tell people if they're just starting out go for the machines because it has pictures on it and you can like just sit there kind of Um, oh my god and you know what that's a really really good idea go to machines and you know what there's tons of YouTube videos that you can you can like you know type it just like get some videos uploaded and just kind of like take a look and then try it yeah like there i'm honestly this is shameless plug at eliza g underscore fitness at dr angie zadegi on instagram like go check out her instagram she has tons of work you have tons of workout videos everywhere you know i'm not i'm not a fitness expert like i'm not like you or anything but i mean i know what i'm doing at the gym but i'm by far not a fitness expert but but there are so many fitness fitness experts like you that people can follow and there are seriously like you're like providing all this information on your um instagram for free and i look check you out all the time and i learn and i try things out so like Mm -hmm. it's not that hard like if they just follow you and did one of those exercises per day that's all they need to do Mm -hmm. and you know what i was thinking another thing is if they if if you can afford it i think people should hire a personal trainer agreed when you are learning math for the first time, you wouldn't try it on your own. Find an expert, pay them the money, but they'll teach you how to work out so it'll take away that whole intimidation factor yeah. when you go to the gym. Once you learn the form, then it's fine. Then it's like, oh, I got this. Yeah. That's what I 
I hired, I've always hired multiple personal trainers. Like I try to tell, I tell people, don't doctor yourself. You don't know what the heck you're doing. Let me be your doctor. I don't try to be uh, a fitness trainer. When I, I, I have a fitness trainer. I ha- I use April uh, Fitness and Tatiana Palizos. They're my to-go Saw people. Them. They are so awesome. Plug them they really quick. What are so their names? Awesome. Okay, so Tatiana uh, P Fitness. Um, let me actually make sure I, I'm getting this right. Tatiana is uh, Tatiana.pfit.fitness. And then um, my other trainer is April, um, April uh, D Fitness. Um, they're both amazing. And but but you know what, there are so many good uh, fitness uh, trainers where you live locally, I'm sure you just yeah. basically it's really important not to try to do it on your own. I think you should hire an expert to show you. Once you learn, then you can be on your own and you'll have the confidence. If you can't afford it, Google stuff, you know, go on Instagram, people's Instagram accounts who are fitness experts and, and learn from them. Like mm-hmm. you, your your Instagram is pretty awesome and I learned from it, you know? Yeah, I'm like, go take some screenshots and put your phone down. You already have your phone in your hand at the gym. Just take some screenshots, scroll through. It's okay if you don't know what you're doing at first. Like, go slow. You're allowed to go slow. And it's also okay if you go to the gym and you do one little workout. Like if you do squats and burpees, that's fine. As long as you're perfecting your squat form, that is high quality. That's enough. Like just take it slow. Don't overwhelm yourself. Um, I have one more question for you because I know I've taken up so much of your time. You're so amazing. Um, Okay. So going back to the regularity thing, I've talked Mm -hmm. about this before and I get so many questions on this because this is something that's so important to me on just a personal level. It's been like this for my whole life. Mm-hmm. How do you stay regular while you travel? I want to hear your tips because I know you travel a little bit and you, you know, you're flying and you live in California. By the way, she lives in Long Beach and she's in California. If you're ever I'm out sorry, there, hit her up. You I, live in, I live in Dana Point, but I work in Newport Beach. Oh, Newport Beach. I'm sorry. Did I say Long Beach? I did not mean <laughs> to say Long Beach. I meant to say Newport Beach. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I like have it written down right here, but I was like, I got this and I don't. Okay. So when you're traveling, how, what are some tips that you have for people who want to stay regular? Because you know, that fight or flight issue yeah. and then people just cl- clinch right up. That sphincter is yeah. just working. Yeah, no, I, it, yeah, I hear you. There's a lot. It's very, that's actually a very difficult question to answer because it's, it's got a lot to do with mind body connection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would say, um, I usually recommend to my patients yoga, meditation, and relaxation techniques. Um, eating healthy before you get on um, get on to your vacation during when your vacation. Um, a lot of uh, bowel habit changes occur when you travel because your diet changes and your gut microbiome changes, right? So if you continue eating healthy. Uh, during your travels, you should theoretically be okay. Unless the change in the bowel habits has to do with stress and the fact that you're uh, afraid to go and use the same bathroom in this in the yeah. hotel that you're sharing with your boyfriend or husband or whatever. Um, in which case, you know, it's more of a psychological thing. And, in that and case, bring matches. I'm telling you guys, yeah. bring matches. Yes, it works. <laughs> it really does. Because I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where once, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess this is just me, but once you start to get really regular, if you've never been completely regular, once you are, there's no better feeling in the world. So you will do anything to keep that. I feel yeah. like, so 
I feel like that will help you kind of just block everything else out when you're um, when you're traveling. But when mm-hmm. I'm traveling, I like if I'm getting on a plane and my flights before maybe one, I try to intermittent fast because I don't want that digest. I don't want that food sitting in my belly when I'm traveling and there's like all these stress hormones going on. I don't want to hold on to anything. Yeah. Do you do you practice intermittent fasting at all? Or like, is that a good idea when you travel? Because it's, it's been good for me, but I don't I mean. I don't know if anyone else could benefit from it. Um, yeah, there's okay. So there's some uh, there's some good literature on fasting. Honestly, it doesn't work for me because I I I call myself a little fatty because I just want to eat all the time and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like seriously, I'm like such a fatty. Like I just want to eat. Like every time, like the the like I I just wake up thinking about food. I wake up starving. I'm always hungry because I eat a whole food plant based diet, and so my metabolism's through the roof. I can't go even mm-hmm. for like eight hours. I mean, eight hours I could, but no more than eight hours without eating. Like when I wake up in the morning after eight hours of not eating, the first thing I think about, I'm like, I've got to have a banana right now or some oatmeal or whatever. (laughs) Feed me (laughs) Um, stat. (laughs) Feed me stat. Like I can't, I can't go starve myself ever. But I think that if you're like not hungry and you can wait, there's some benefits of intermittent fasting that I've seen that some studies, um, but you know what? One thing we don't know. Oh, but by the way, you're talking about once in a while intermittent fast, not eating for like eight hours uh, on a day you're flying has never killed anyone. But routinely, I'm not sure because there aren't any clinical data, long-term clinical data to prove either way. Um, we don't know what happens to the gut microbiome if you fast for long periods of time. Are you killing the good gut microbiome? Are you not killing the good? No one really knows the answer to that. So I try to feed my good gut microbiome plenty of fiber every day by eating regularly to keep them alive and thriving. Gotcha. Amazing. I love it. Eat more fiber. Fiber, fiber, fiber. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I say that people are like, oh, so like fiber supplements? No. (laughs) I'm like, but then they think... then they think kale and I'm like no sweet potatoes have so much fiber like the skin on sweet potatoes I mean not so much as nuts as seeds like as much but chia seeds flax seeds like all of these different things that you have no flavor even you know like you can get those in there but um also one thing if you're Mm -hmm. eating and this is just to listeners if you aren't eating a lot of fiber right now and then you really uptake your fiber intake and like you start really loading on the fiber that can lead to like initial bloat and just a little bit of uncomfortability because Mm -hmm. it's your body's just getting used to it so make sure you're chugging water because really the only way to get it out is by flushing it out so make sure you're drinking water if you up your thank you so much because a lot of people get discouraged don't they they like they like eat some fiber and they're like, oh, my body just can't handle it. Yeah. Well, that's a, that means you you need to eat more of it to improve the digestibility because a lot of times, like for example, um, people have um, mainly the bacteroides gut microbiome instead of the lactobacillus and the um, other good guys, good gut microbiome. They yeah. have the like the the good guys are out proportion and the bad guys they can digest meat and dairy really well right but they cannot process the fiber foods because there aren't that many they're outnumbered so when you first eat that stuff it kind of bloats you um so i basically put my patients on a gut protocol where i give them very low fiber and i slowly increase the fiber by about five uh, grams per week that gives the gut microbiome to flourish slow 
it is very slow. Yeah, but it's good. Actually, some people can't go five grams per week. I go, okay, well, eat 10 grams per day for two weeks or three weeks. And then when they graduate, then they go to 15 very slowly. Like right now, I get about 80 to 100 grams of fiber per day. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't the daily recommended like 35? Yeah, but that's... I love it. That's very low for me. I mean, that's to I me, agree. that's like the bare minimum. You know what I mean? Like... I get a hundred percent of all, more than a hundred percent of all my um, like vitamins recommended uh, by the USDA. I get plenty because I eat like fresh fruits and vegetables all day. You know, and I get plenty of fiber and um, and I I don't really sit there and count my macronutrients. You know, because I know I'm eating a lot um, just by eating so healthy and balanced. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think that kind of addresses like the whole. I, I mean. That I think is like the number one takeaway is just eat more fiber, plant-based fiber. It's just honestly easy. Um, but before we sign off, um, I do know that our listeners and myself definitely want to hear like a key takeaway that they can take home and start implementing in their day-to-day life just to keep their gut in check and their regularity in check and just their overall health in check. So what would you say to... Sure. And I think you you will agree with this one. Um, but here's the here we go. It's not about perfection. It's about making progress and making instilling small changes in your lifestyle on a daily basis that will improve your life and improve your health, improve your fitness over time. So don't be intimidated by working out and dieting and nutrition. If you don't know where to start, just start eating more plants, eat more whole foods, um, and and just slowly increase that, increase the amounts of fruits and vegetables in your diet um, every day. Um, Start working out. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have that perfect form. Um, But, you know, just start somewhere and, and just keep educating yourself. Progress is everything in life. If we're not moving and if we're not improving we die it's like really important that we keep improving ourselves and and finding the best version of ourselves and that sometimes is not an overnight switch it's a progress and it's an evolution um and so uh basically just get started and don't worry about anything (laughs) just get started go get scared go do it i love that you're amazing you're so this is you're amazing. I mean, these are so like, I know this went on a little longer, but I just couldn't stop. You've given so much value, just just so much value. And I'm obsessed with this podcast. And I'm so, so happy that you're on here right now. If you guys haven't already scoped out her Instagram, her website, um, other podcasts that she's featured in, I know she gives so much knowledge and I know that we're going to have her on again. So always feel free to ask questions. I'm sure she would love to get your questions on her account as well. Um, But check her out. Her website is drangiehealth.com. And um, she has a ton of videos on there as well. But um, go ahead, plug yourself again, Angie. Tell people where they can find you. Exciting new feature called telemedicine. It's like a Skype, but it's actually a a, uh, platform to see patients. So it's a medical uh, platform uh, to see patients remote. So I have patients from Australia, Canada, um, uh, basically all over the United States who call and, and contact me through telemedicine for their gut health. So if you go on my website, www.drangiehealth, so um, www.drangiehealth.com, you could schedule a telemedicine with me or my plant-based dietitian, and we're both here to help you. Amazing. I actually didn't know that. Good, good to know. <laughs> 
Good to know. Well, um, thank you so, so, so much for being here. Um, Hotter Than Health couldn't thank you enough. We're so excited. Um, I can't wait to have you on again. Oh, anytime. Just let me know. I would love to. (laughs) Well, you guys, this has been um, an amazing episode. Hotter Than Health, episode number nine, if you can believe it. Um, Feel free to follow us, leave a comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. Share it with your family and friends. Um, Take a listen. Write everything in here down. So much info in here. I know I'm going to listen to this podcast again, but give me a follow on Instagram at Eliza G underscore fitness. You can follow me on Facebook at this Facebook page is at Eliza G fit. Um, But yeah, share the podcast, share the love. We got to get the information out there. There's so much more to be said, but this is been wonderful thank you for all your um knowledge from that big beautiful brain and we Mm. will see everyone next week next tuesday for another episode of hotter than health bye guys have a great great week